Good morning, Forest Grove Community Church. Good morning to those of us who are joining by live stream in your homes or wherever you are this morning. Good morning to those who are in the room. It feels like a special day to be together. My name is Chandra Stiles, and I work here as the youth and young adults pastor. And today I have the privilege of wrapping up our kingdom culture series on the Sermon on the Mount. These words that we've been studying over the last few months are Jesus' words to the largest group of people that he spoke to for the longest amount of time. Just the simple logistics of it show the weight and the purpose they have in those who call themselves his followers, learning how to live a kingdom life in kingdom culture. Today we'll take a look at the last invitation that he gives to let all of the words that he spoke in this sermon call us to action and remind us of our need to rely on him to teach us his ways. The Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7 has provided us with challenges, invitations, and instructions on many things. And those things show us the culture of God's kingdom. It's challenged the state of our heart, our view of our identity as people who are kingdom citizens, how we participate in thoughts or actions or speech towards other people, how we give, how we pray, and how we love. And it has invited us to be reminded that Jesus came to bring a new way of life, life that is resurrection life, a kingdom way, a way of experiencing heaven that we can live out here as we live on earth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are here with us now in this room and in all of the spaces that are represented through our live stream connections this morning. Thank you, Spirit, that you are with us as we listen to this in the present or if we listen to it later in the week, and that you unite us as followers of you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we listen to your word this morning, as we hear your words spoken, that, Spirit, you would speak to our hearts and our minds, that you would be reshaping us and reforming us to look and act and love more like you, that we would listen, that we would understand and believe, and that we'd be moved to obedience, Jesus. And so we just pray, Lord, come. Um, would you show us who you are and how you love, and would you invite us to do the same? We pray this in your name. Amen. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus concludes his, his days of teaching with an analogy that calls us to commit to life with him. In Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice, and who puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus ends his sermon with a bold invitation that clearly outlines that his followers have a choice to make when they hear his words. Either be wise or be foolish 
either build well or build poorly. Either respond with actions that are in line with Jesus' heart and character or respond with actions that aren't. Either follow or don't. It doesn't seem like there's much in between. So before we talk about these foundations that Jesus addresses, first we're going to ask the question, what makes a builder wise or foolish? Now, for some of you, you would think that that question is easily answered. You'd say, well, a wise person is the one who has all the knowledge and the information and knows how to use it, and a foolish person is the one who doesn't do their research or doesn't know what they're doing. And though those answers are are true in part, as Jesus' listeners would have heard this, they would have had a, a different nuance to those words that they would have grasped. When they heard the word foolish, not only would they have heard that maybe someone didn't have the information they needed, but also were just choosing to be unaware, not being attentive to the, the things that were involved in this situation, and really just being mindless, not thinking critically about the information that they may have to intake or the situations that information may need to be applied in, but just following blindly what's been done before following the crowd, conforming to the patterns around them, taking the easy way. Whereas listeners at that time would have also heard the nuance in the word wise. As yes, someone who had a lot of the information and the details, but also someone who would have been carefully attentive, observant, and critically thinking. Someone who is very aware, doesn't just do what's been done before, but actually stops and thinks and assesses the situation and makes a plan to do the hard work of investing in a task that is to be done well, which may be an unpopular choice. Jesus' listeners would have understood that the foolish builder would have done what was quick and easy without thinking, and the wise builder would have chosen work that invests in something that will last. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus consistently asks his listeners, who, we can be reminded, were those who were following him very closely, who we call the disciples, who were also the religious leaders of the time, people who taught people how to follow God's law, and those who were just in the crowd, who were curiously listening and trying to figure out who Jesus was. And Jesus consistently reminds those people as he taught through this Sermon on the Mount to rethink all that they knew about being obedient to God, to think critically, to be observant, to pay attention. He called out hypocrisy, religiosity, legalism that was more about pride or looking holy than it was about loving God and loving others. He called out the blind rule following that existed and said, come seek the character of God, know God, and live out of a life with him. So when Jesus makes the comparison between the wise and the foolish builders, he's actually calling out the foolishness of the religious establishment and the mindlessness of following them. And he's actually calling people to the wisdom and the attentiveness of a relationship with God. He's calling them to a new nature, a new spirit, and a new culture. One that brings the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So after he defines these wise and and foolish builders, he uses this analogy about what we build our foundation on. Now the foundation, as many of you would know, is what a building, like a home or a structure, is built on so that allows it to stay strong. So Jesus obviously knew that the people listening would have known and understood that. Those listening to Jesus' words would have understood the example he used of building 
a house on rock or building a house on sand. Because they knew the location that they were living in. They were near the Sea of Galilee, and there would have been something around them called alluvial sand. So this sand was a loose, kind of unconsolidated sand and soil and sediment all mixed together that had kind of been eroded and reshaped by water in some form and then redeposited in places that had been flooded or where a river once flowed and was now drying up. In the summer months, it would have been sand that got really hard from the heat and would have decept deceptively given the illusion that it was strong enough to be built upon and to uphold a structure. Would have been easy to access and therefore easier to build on. But whenever the winter rains would come, the Jordan River, which was nearby, would rise and overflow into the Sea of Galilee, and the banks would burst and cause water to flood, and it would cause the sand to be saturated and to shift and to move. And what seemed like a strong and firm place to build a structure now became unstable. Now the bedrock, the good foundation, which would have provided a much stronger place for a, a home to be built, would have been just below the sand. You would have had to dig just a little bit deeper and do just a little bit more work. But the builders would have had to chosen to do that work. And so Sermon on the Mount listeners at that time would have known that the foolish builders were those who took the easy way out, or followed someone else's pattern, and built on the sand. But the wise builders chose to do the work to dig deep for a foundation that lasts. So what does this look like for us right now? Do we simply look at this kind of binary between wise and foolish or sand and, and rock and, and we just say, okay, we can adhere to one of those two choices? Do we look at the binary between what Jesus was saying was a religious establishment that promoted just a, a shallow, rule-oriented faith foundation over a deep foundation that Jesus invites us to know and just choose one? Or could there be layers to this analogy if we apply it to the, what we know about foundations? in our situation geographically in our environment right now. So it did make me ask myself, what do I know about foundations? And I ask you, what do you know about foundations? Now for some of you, you know a lot. You work in the, the construction business, or you've built your own home, or you just have chosen to learn about what makes a strong foundation for a home. Others of you would just kind of know that buildings need foundations and you wouldn't know very much more other than that's what helps them not fall over. Maybe some of you are learning that the building you're in has a foundation right now for the first time. As I reflected on this, I realized I actually don't know a ton of details about foundations. I mean, I know that when we were looking to purchase a house, our parents always said, make sure that your house has a good foundation. And as a daughter of a father who owns a concrete construction business and who spends most of his time on vacations wandering around estimating how much concrete is in the structures around him and telling us if he thinks they'll have structural issues or not, I know I've heard over and over from him how important a sound foundation is. And because I live in pop culture, I've also listened to the country pop song by Marin Morris that tells me the house don't fall when the bones are good. But that's about my accumulative knowledge of foundations. I have some sense that a good foundation means a strong house. But I don't know a lot of the details. And so I needed to learn. So I called my good friend, Brady Plett, 
who works as an estimator and a project manager for Contech General Contractors Limited, also referred to as Contech often. And he also sits on the facility committee here at our church. And I asked him to give me 20 minutes to tell me what I needed to know about foundations that would help me understand this analogy. And he was kind enough to do so. And I learned a few things that I'd like to share with you. First of all, and this may seem obvious, the purpose of a foundation is to hold a building firm through whatever forces are put upon it. This means that it holds up when the gravitational weight of the house is pushing down. It means it holds it down when factors like frost can push it up in the ground. It means it holds it in place when forces like wind can push it from side to side. A foundation, which is built well for the environmental circumstances, holds a house or a building firm, allowing it to maintain its function when external forces are put upon it. I also learned that foundations are different in different environments. Contact does a lot of structural builds up north, where the bedrock is closer to the surface of the ground. This can make it easier to access and means even that the bedrock itself can be used as the foundation of a structure. With some environments, you have to dig really deep to pour your foundation. But with other environments, you want to stay shallow. You can actually build a, so a sound foundation on sand. You just need to do it the right way so that your structure will hold. Foundations now are not limited by a different environment. You must just change the way that you build it. The last thing I learned is that different types of foundations need different building materials. Depending on where you are building and the environmental factors that you'll encounter there, like extreme cold and extreme heat, or very wet and very dry, or even encountering strong winds like tornadoes, or the structural factors like height and, and size of the building, depending on these factors, there are different materials that you'll use, or a different amount of materials that you'll need, or even different combinations of materials that work together to properly provide the stability and the strength that are needed. These are important things to know about foundations when we're building structures, but these are also analogies that we can translate into the foundation of our faith that we build. Because when you build a house, you generally, hopefully, only have to build a foundation once. You kind of only have one shot. And luckily, while we build kingdom culture foundations in our life and our faith, we actually get to live in that process of building that foundation through our lives. We can build into our foundation each day as we grow in Jesus. We can change and deepen and shift and adjust as we experience more of his love, goodness, and mercy and as we encounter different things in our lives. We don't have to build one foundation for all time, but instead we're continually building and assessing the foundation we have built with Jesus over our whole lives. Brady told me that before they go to build a structure, especially in an unknown territory, they often do a geotechnical investigation. I felt really smart when I practiced saying that earlier. Um, where they would drill down and they would assess the components that are a part of where they're building and how they may affect the building they want to build. Then they would make sure they get the right material and then they would begin to build. So, as we seek to be wise builders, it would do us well to constantly assess the foundation that we're building. I want to take a look at three ways that we can do that. First, 
When assessing your foundation, know what you are building on. Jesus is clearly telling the people in the Sermon on the Mount that they have been tricked by a deceptive stability of the current religious establishment. They were building on a foundation that was not rooted in God, but instead rooted in obedience to a law. And that foundation would falter. So he calls them to a new way of life, a way of love, a way of grace, and a way of, of resurrected life that makes them come fully alive. As we walk through our lives, as we choose beliefs and values that produce actions, let us ensure that we do the hard work of acknowledging our factors that we're building on, our lenses, our privileges, our filters, our positions of power, and our influence as we consider how to move forward in the way of Jesus. Let us challenge ourselves to ask hard questions about what may be just a religious establishment or cultural Christianity around us and what's actually the calling of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to radical obedience. Let us create spaces in our community to have hard conversations that explore places where our practices may actually be oppressive rather than obedient and actually bringing the freedom that Christ died to set us free with. And let us be willing to repent, which means turning away from our sin, the things that bring death, and then turning towards God's calling, which brings life. May we turn back towards the gracious and merciful heart of Jesus together. The second thing is when we assess our foundation, we need to know what we are building for. As we walk through life, and as some of you have accumulated more years than I have, I know that times change, culture changes, things around us changes. And so the forces that challenge our faith expressions change. It's important to stop and take inventory of new situations that press in from each side and to ask ourselves how to seek the way of Jesus, the way of his spirit and his principles as we approach each new situation. In community, we must be able to help one another identify ways that our traditions or our patterns could actually be things that are preventing us from walking forward in radical obedience to the way of Jesus. And as our culture rapidly progresses, so do the ways that we need to apply our faith in actions. And luckily, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit that promises to teach and guide us as we go forward. It can be so easy to ignore cultural issues around us or say, well, this is happening over there, but it isn't happening here around me. But the more we educate ourselves on the situations around us and ask the Spirit to show us the way of Jesus, the more we humble ourselves to recognize where we may have to make a change, then we can respond to those things and our foundation grows stronger. The church has had a tough history of responses that are not in line with the heart of God. But when we are willing to humble ourselves and repent and turn back to his way, then our foundations become strong. And together, we follow Jesus in his way of love. We must normalize learning, recalibrating, and moving forward. Last, when assessing your foundation, you must assess what you are building with. 
Just like different materials are needed to build the right foundation for the right environment, we must also build with the materials that are needed for the faith foundation that we are building right now. As we have learned in light of the events of the last year, sometimes we need to stop and recognize when the materials that we have built our faith foundations with are no longer the materials that are building the types of foundations we need. We need to recognize when the ways we've learned about or grown in or even fortified our obedience or our faith expressions are rooted in things that are no longer helpful or even harmful. And in grace, we must challenge ourselves to listen to new voices, to the voice of the Spirit, and seek greater understanding of how the kingdom of God is coming down to earth. I've been privileged to have those conversations with our staff, many of our congregation in the last year, as we've learned much about racial equality. We've learned about the role that that Christianity has even played in some of those inequitable spaces. I want to challenge you. If the only books that you read or podcasts that you listen to about theology or spiritual practices or life with Jesus are from white Western men, then would you consider diversifying the voices that you listen to and that you learn from? Read theologians and pastors and faith teachers who are women or people of color or practice their faith in Jesus in different traditions and expressions. To build with the right materials, we must challenge ourselves to see kingdom culture from the lens of many eyes and many angles, recognizing that the promise of Christ Jesus is that every tribe, tongue, and nation would come to know his kingdom. When we stop to assess the process of building our faith foundation, we stay attentive to the spirit of God in the current moment that we're in and how the Spirit is forming us individually as followers of Jesus, but collectively as a community. And we become wise builders. Wise people build their life on Jesus and his ways, regardless of the cultural or religious weather. One commentary that I read summed it up this way. The religious establishment was advocating a form of surface-level righteousness that masked an unstable foundation. But the kingdom culture life that Jesus invited listeners to in the Sermon on the Mount means leaving behind the comfort found in identifying with a popular religious establishment and instead following the invitation of Jesus to radical obedience that goes beyond just behavior modification or adherence to a cultural standard but changes our heart and aligns our heart with the heart of God. At the end of this sermon, Jesus calls boldly for a decision between himself and the patterns that people were already following. Wise builders are the ones whose foundations are built with the character of God, led by the Spirit of God, to live in the way of the Son of God, Christ Jesus. As this passage ends, it shows the crowd's response to Jesus' days of teaching. The last two verses, verse 28 and 29, say this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This tells us two things. 
that the crowds identified the difference in spiritual mature, uh, authority that Jesus had in comparison to the religious leaders and teachers that they had been listening to. They saw the difference between adhering to rules and traditions just to look holy or do the right thing, between that and call, being called to a life that's rooted in a loving God who calls us to love others. It also tells us that they had an emotional response. It says they were amazed. Now, if you look at different commentaries, there's different perspectives on this word, but most people would say that this word amazed does not necessarily mean that they were changed. It means that they were moved or dazzled. They had an emotional experience, that they were curious or bewildered, but it didn't guarantee that they accepted these teachings or even put their faith in Jesus or even committed to living in these ways. It only means that they felt something different. As we hold all of these things that we've learned in these last months as we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount, let us not just be people who are amazed, but may we be changed. May we hear the words of Jesus. May we believe in the power of his life, his resurrection life given to all who choose to follow him. May we trust that the Spirit will lead us and guide us and commit to living in his ways. As we conclude this series of kingdom culture and looking at the Sermon on the Mount, I want to ask you to ponder this question. How has the Holy Spirit prompted you to move forward in obedience? This Sermon on the Mount is a call to following the way of Jesus with radical generosity, inclusivity, forgiveness, and obedience. And so what are some of the things that stirred in your heart in this series? What are some of the ways that the Spirit may be reshaping something inside you? What are some of the characteristics of God that the Spirit may be leading you to grow in? What actions of obedience are you feeling called and led to step out into? I'd encourage you to prayerfully consider this on your own or maybe with a friend or a household or your small group. Or if you're watching on live stream right now and something is just stirring up within you, even put it in the chat. Let others know how God has spoken to you through this series. As we conclude, I'd like to share a short prayer that I've been praying every day for the last several months. If you've ever used the devotional app Lectio 365, then maybe you would recognize this prayer. It ends each devotional time every day. And I believe this is a kingdom prayer. Um, the words will be up on the screen. So you can pray with me in your heart, your mind, if you want to, with your words out loud. But let's pray together to close off this portion of our service. Father, help us to live each day to the full, being true to you in every way. Jesus, help us to give ourselves away to others, being kind to everyone we meet. Spirit, help us to love the lost, proclaiming Christ in all we do and say. Amen.